and welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, Kristen Shapiro joins us to talk about an issue that not only has traction in the States, but is also gaining steam federally, the issue of paid family leave, with so many Democrat candidates talking about it, and some of them even having a detailed plan. It's important to know the pros and the cons of both government and non-government proposed policies. Before we jump into the conversation with Kristen, a little about her. She is a lawyer and a senior fellow with the Independent Women's Forum. She has litigated numerous cases and the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 2016, Kristen was selected by super lawyers as a rising star in the D.C. area. Know that you can check out her commentary, which appears regularly in publications such as the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And before I ask you the first question, I just want our audience to know that you have a recent policy focus out on IWF.org. It's called Expanding Paid Family Leave Without Disadvantaging Low-Income Families. So for those interested, again, you can find that at IWF.org. But I wanted to start the conversation by talking about where things are on proposed policies. You have candidates releasing plans. You have Congress battling over proposed legislations, states are passing laws. Where are things today on the paid family leave issue? Absolutely. As you mentioned, Beverly, things are happening left and right all over the place. So at the state level, um, I think it's now eight states have, and the District of Columbia have passed uh, paid family and medical leave uh, acts. These are funded by payroll taxes on workers and employers. Um, to pay into basically a, a new government entitlement at the, the state and local level to fund benefits in the event of, you know, for maternity leave, paternity leave, uh, medical leave, caregiving leave. Um, and then at the federal level, uh, you know, the only legislation that is enacted, well, there's the um, Family Medical Leave Act, the FMLA, which gives workers, uh, certain workers' rights to unpaid leave for up to 12 weeks each year, but it's not a paid leave. Now, there was, in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there was a, a tax credit for employers that offer um, paid leave that met certain requirements, uh, and I, th- I believe it was for a three-year provisional sort of test period, and we, that, was, that didn't really make too much news, um, so I haven't seen, you know, studies of what sort of effects that had, but that is something that was that was enacted to encourage employers themselves to provide paid leave. But in terms of current proposals before Congress, you know, I think, you know, everyone listening probably heard quite a lot the common complaint that the United States is the only industrialized nation in the world that doesn't have um, that have a paid parental leave program. Um, and so, you know, there are uh, proposals put forward by both Democrats and Republicans to provide parental leave. Uh, Democrats have put forward sort of more sweeping proposal, proposals that are in line with what you see in sort of Scandinavian, uh, European, um, democratic socialist sort of countries that would impose a payroll tax to fund uh, 12 weeks of paid leave uh, for not just parental leave, but also uh, caregiving and medical leave as well. Uh, uh, Republicans have introduced proposals um, modeled actually after, you know, the, the Independent Women's Forum, the, the proposal I published with IWF, um, the Social Security Earned Leave Proposal, which essentially would allow new parents, give them the option to pull forward uh, about three months of early Social Security benefits, um, 
to a time in their life when they might find them more useful. So because that proposal is different from the democratic proposals because it, you know, it's essentially just allowing workers a little bit more control over benefits they would receive anyway. So it doesn't require increased government spending. It doesn't require a new tax. Um, it's just adding a little bit of flexibility to a government program to make it work better for American families. All of these proposals have been introduced as legislation, uh, but they have not gone to you know, a full floor vote. Um, and it doesn't look like that will happen anytime soon. But you never know. You never know, which is why it's important to talk about it so people are informed with what's going on. And I'm glad you mentioned the one plan that is sponsored by IWF that, of course, you had a role in and thinking through what that would look like. That's been sponsored by Senator Marco Rubio, I believe, that he's been the one that's been pushing that. But I want to go back to the Democrats' plan, um, their Family and Medical Insurance Leave Act, and they're pushing this. So unlike the plan sponsored by Senator Rubio and IWF, which you, you all have proposed, which is like you were saying, dipping into social security, what the Democrats want to do is dip into your paycheck. So when it comes to the paycheck, I think it's important for us to first of all discuss the cost. Free is never free. How much does this essentially cost not just businesses, but employees as well? What Do we have a total number of how much money you could see taken out of uh, a business and therefore could be passed on to other people? Yeah, so the legislation itself, it requires an additional payroll tax of 0.4%, which, you know, seems small, but even that itself is significant. The um, people, people like to minimize that cost, Democrat politicians, and talking about it, they say, oh, it's, you know, for the average worker, a cup of coffee a week. Um, now, actual studies of the Family and Medical Leave Act suggest that it could actually be, you know, four times as much. Um, and so, you know, it, it could be up to, I think, I think uh, maybe $1,500 a year or, or uh, something on, on that magnitude for the average worker, which, um, which is a very significant amount of money for people who are living paycheck to paycheck. And for that $1,500, I think it's important, too, that this could be something that let's think about people who are single or men who uh, may never have children. Think about people who are past childbearing years, that there's a lot of people this isn't even going to touch. Is that why you do see that this is going beyond just um, maternity leave or paternity leave, but actually going into caring for family? Is that part of the reason why they bring that into it? That is part of, and that's part of the reason why it costs so much. So if you just, and this is one of the reasons I kept the proposal I worked with at IWS narrow, is parental leave is a very discreet issue. It's, it's hard to abuse parental leave because you either have a child or you don't. Whereas, you know, I think all of us could think of someone that we know that might, if they have, you know, 12 weeks of leave every year for caregiving or for their own medical issues, um, could think of a reason why they need 12 weeks every year. And so when you add in those other components, it makes it substantially more expensive. Um, and part of the reason the estimates here are there's so, so much daylight between, you know, the most optimistic assumptions about what, um, what the Family Act would cost and the most pessimistic or realistic, depending on your perspective, is, is that, um, is that, is, is that it's very much depends on how much people actually use the program. And that's something that I tackle in my policy focus um, that I just, that you mentioned that I just published is that a lot of these programs have such, you know, even including at the state level, they have relatively small payroll taxes. And you think, wow, that's great. We are getting this big program for, you know, a 0.2% payroll tax. But the reason is, is because only a quarter or less of new parents use the benefit. So for example, in California, 
you know, only a quarter of new parents use the parental leave benefit. And so you may think, oh, well, the California payroll taxes is not that much when you think about what we're getting, but what you're getting, actually not, not that many eligible workers are even collecting benefits under the program. And the policy focus actually specifically focuses on the fact that it's actually more likely to be high income and middle income workers that are collecting benefits. These programs, on average, the, you know, they impose these costs and they redistribute money away from low income families to middle and higher income families. And something that was even surprising to me as I realized that, so I, since I have a company based in Washington, D.C., and the D.C. paid family leave has gone into effect as of July 1st, that automatically I just had money withdrawn from my bank account. <laughs> my my payroll company just automatically took it out. And so I did a little bit more research into it because, first of all, I have a small, small company right now. There's only two full-time employees, including myself. We do not expect to need to use this type of benefit at any point in time, yet I'm having money taken up for my business. And I started looking into it a little bit more. I never get this money back if it's not being used. This is just money that goes straight to the city, correct? So it's not like a city or the if it becomes federal that it's holding it for you and the business gets it back if you don't use it. It just becomes their money. Oh, correct. I mean, you, so that's, I'm looking at a chart right now that helpfully summarizes, and it's, it's 0.62% of wages um, in D.C. that automatically get deducted, and you don't get them back. If, and, you know, and, you know, for example, this is a disincentive to businesses to offer their own uh, parental leave programs or paid leave programs because if they're already being taxed to fund um, a government program, however mediocre, it, it, then why in the world would they offer their own benefits or start up a new uh, a new a new a new program for their business because you know you're paying the tax so might as well just stick with what the government has given workers quote unquote so, given workers when you know it's actually coming out of their own paychecks and something I've even wondered, so if there ever was some type of federal policy that looked more like what the Democrats want or was taken from your your paycheck, does that mean if you're in a state or in my case, a district that already has a, a policy there that then there are two policies and it's you have double tax on that or how does that work? You know, it's a really tricky issue for when you're trying to craft a, 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 a federal, a new federal entitlement program, how to coordinate benefits. Um, I believe the most recent version of the Family Act uh, that I saw, what, uh, you know, basically just punts the issue and doesn't really specify. Um, I think they say that, oh, yes, I'm looking. Benefits may be reduced based on regulations by the commissioner due to receipt of state temporary disability or family leave benefits. Um, and so actually, so it, it basically leaves it up to regulation uh, if, the, if the Social Security commissioner wants to not give uh, benefits to workers in states who already have family leave entitlement programs. But those workers are still going to pay the tax. They're just not going to receive the benefits. Let's talk a little bit about what can happen when it comes to um, people taking advantage of this type of policy. You were saying a, a few minutes ago that it's very clear when somebody is pregnant <laughs> that somebody is pregnant and they are going to need some maternity leave and maybe paternal leave will be paternity leave will be part of that as well. But when it comes to just being able to care for family or if you're sick, is this something that could also be abused because it's not as clear cut? I think absolutely that's a, a huge concern with the program. I mean, we already have issues with Social Security disability insurance uh, for people who, you know, could probably be working, but they collect disability insurance. And so this is just another program to um, to return to. So instead of working, you can collect benefits under this. 
um, for when really you could you could you could work. Um, and and it's hard you know the government it's hard for the government to police those situations and to determine you know who exactly it should be entitled to benefits under this program. And so what happens is there are you know inevitably going to be people who could be working, but they choose not to because they can collect benefits under the program. Let's now turn our attention to the countries that we often hear Democrats want to model their plans after. Let's take a look at some of those countries. I know Scandinavia is one that's often pointed to, that whole region. Um, How have the plans worked for people there, and what have been some of the downsides that you've seen? Yeah, so that was what my my research, the policy focus focused on is, is that you know, after I kind of uncovered the issues with California's parental leave program, I had found research, you know, that only a quarter of new mothers use the benefit and that, you know, the median leave taker is richer on average um, in, under California's program. I thought to myself, well, gosh, well, California's program is relatively new. They've only had it since 2002. Maybe they just haven't gotten it right. And so I started looking at other countries uh, that also have operated parental leave programs for decades. Um, and you know, it turns out that this idea that these programs really on average are taking income, you know, disadvantaging the, the most vulnerable workers, the lowest income families to provide was essentially a middle and upper class entitlement is, a, you know, a recurring theme in the, the literature on this. And so, for example, uh, you know, I, my policy focus looks at Norway and they expanded their parental leave entitlement program and, uh, and, Economists studying the expansion, quote unquote, said this was a pure leisure transfer to middle and upper income families at expense of some of the least well off in society. To, um, and then, you know, for example, Canada has had a parental leave program for decades. And uh, to kind of provide more concrete numbers of this effect, and two recent studies both found in Canada that about 75 to 85% of mothers with in household incomes that are, are middle or higher income get parental leave benefits from the government, whereas only 45%, uh, about half that, uh, of mothers with lower incomes receive parental leave benefits. And the issue is, is that everybody is paying the payroll tax in these countries to fund this program, but disproportionately the lower income families are not collecting benefits. And so kind of the hidden um, Achilles heel of these programs that I'm surprised that people are not talking about is that, you know, while they are sold as we need to have this program because, you know, lower income workers don't have paid leave from their employers. And so that's why we need this big government program. These big government programs are actually becoming more of a problem for lower income families. They're not helping them. So let's talk a little bit about your proposed solution, which is to be able to draw from Social Security. What is, how has the support been for something along those lines? And do you think that um, there is a concern that if people are dipping into it, they may then have not only less later on, but that also um, there's this potential where we all think Social Security is is not going to be solvent um, too far down the road anyway. So are we, da- are we tapping into a program that just may not be funded before too long? Yeah. So in terms of who's supporting it, um, so you mentioned Senator Rubio. In addition, uh, Senator Romney has joined Senator Rubio, um, as well as Ernst. Senators Ernst and Lee have introduced their own version of the legislation. And then on the House side, Representatives Wagner and Crenshaw. These are all um, conservative Republican uh, members of Congress. We haven't seen a Democrat sign on board yet, but I'm optimistic. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens as the legislation gains more traction and more debate. Um, in terms of the two concerns you identified, with respect to the idea that, well, you know, what can, what's going to happen when people 
um, retire, are they going to have less in retirement benefits? I think that one of the key points to underscore is this is entirely voluntary. Uh, and so if, if a family doesn't think that these benefits will work out for them, if they would prefer to, you know, have those months of Social Security benefits rather than, you know, a month after, you know, for parental leave, then they, then they don't have to take it and their retirement benefits are going to be unaffected. So this just, you know, adds options for families um, that they, they, they can't, they can choose to take or not, depending upon the best interest of their family. And I would, I think that, you know, leaving this decision as, as local as possible, which in this, which in, at this instance means giving the decision-making power to the family, uh, will produce the best outcomes for families because they know their circumstances better than the government. Um, and then in terms of this uh, Social Security solvency, you know, obviously everyone is concerned with, you know, left and right with uh, the Social Security solvency and the fact the trust funds, um, you know, will run out in 2034. Now, just to give some basic background facts, I think I, I certainly um, in my generation, uh, you know, we were sort of brought up to believe that we just won't have Social Security because it's going to be completely broke. Uh, and that's a bit of an exaggeration. So what will happen when the trust funds run out in 2034 is that the, um, the, the Social Security benefits will have to be pay covered entirely by incoming payroll tax receipts. Those are projected to cover between 75 and 80 percent of Social Security benefits. So, you know, this is not, it's obviously significant and it's obviously something policymakers should address because even a 25% cut in benefits uh, is substantial, especially for lower income people. Um, but it's not the absolute nightmare, all of a sudden, no one's going to have any social security uh, scenario that a lot of us were, are kind of led by hyperbolic media articles to believe. Um, and now to put the, so, so the parental leave program in the context of social security's finances, uh, parental, social security costs about a trillion dollars a year, and the parental leave program will cost a fraction of a percent of that spending. Um, so even if nothing were done, uh, and you know the, the Social Security tomorrow started paying out parental leave benefits, uh, it would have a very small effect on the the insolvency date of the trust funds. Um, however, you know as I mentioned, these the senators who are supporting this legislation, you know Rubio, Romney. Ernst and Lee, and then Representative Wagner and Crenshaw. I mean, these are fiscal conservatives. They don't want to support a policy that would advance the trust fund insolvency by even a day. And so they're crafting their policies um, so, so that they have um, no impact at all on the solvency of Social Security. And in fact, the Social Security actuaries have scored, I believe it was Senator Rubio and Romney's legislation, and said it would have a neg negligible impact on Social Security's finances. So and this is a program that we could adopt. Um, you know, that would provide benefits to parents and it would not hurt Social Security. And I'm glad you brought up the word choice because I think that's a, a big component of this because not everybody is going to need to dip into it. I, and tell me a little bit about um, businesses who already provide these types of benefits to employees is one of the reasons why people may not even need to tap into Social Security um, for this if this legislation did pass is because when businesses don't have tax being taken out, um, they tend to want to retain employees that are good employees and provide these types of benefits anyways, correct? Absolutely. So every single, I feel like every single day I'm seeing an article by a new company that's offering parental leave to its employees. Uh, and, you know, they want to tout it publicly because it's good for business because people want to, uh, you know, give their money to businesses that treat their employees properly. Um, and so most workers actually do have paid leave from their businesses. This is not something that is an issue that the government needs to provide benefits to for most workers. Um, so the numbers are about 
66 to 83 percent of workers in middle and high income families, respectively, have some at least some form of paid leave to their employers. Uh, and really, it's the lower income workers that that are lacking access to paid leave. About a third of them get uh, paid leave from their employers. Um, and so what you know, I think when we're looking at and then remember, there are every, you know, and almost every year now, there's a new state that adopts its own parental leave program, including parental and family medical leave program. And so, you know, when I think about a proper federal policy for parental leave, I don't think of one that needs to be a one-size-fits-all, you know, program that everyone turns to that you see in sort of the Scandinavian or, you know, European countries that have these sweeping entitlement programs for parental leave. What I think a proper federal policy needs to be is it needs to be something that fills in the gaps where, you know, the, you know for the people who don't get parental leave from their employers or, so, you know, or who aren't able to save um, and basically something they can turn to as a last resort so that they do are able to spend that time, those critical first few months at home with their, with their newborn. Um, but we don't need a sweeping entitlement um, in general that, that displaces. In fact, you know, it would be bad to displace employer-provided parental leave. Oftentimes when employers, most employers who provide paid leave do so for, you know, time periods that are more and wage replacement rates that are more generous than anything the government is contemplating. So, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is just if you're pro parental leave, it's discourage employers from providing paid leave. And so final question for you, what are some of the timeframes or benchmarks coming up that you think are important for this issue? Do you, is anything potentially coming up or we're going to see more discussion on this on either more states passing these types of, of laws or federally any legislation that moves? Yeah, so I think, you know, so um, IWF's own Hadley Heath Manning has been appointed to um, uh, a board or an advisory board in Colorado to advise them on potential uh, family leave legislation. So I think we might see something interesting coming out of Colorado. We'll see. Um, and, you know, other states are considering it. At the federal level, I think, um, you know, the two kind of turning points that we might see in the next few months or a year would be where paid leave might become an issue is, you know, I've seen news articles, so this is public knowledge, of, um, of Senators, Cass Senators Cassidy and Sinema uh, might be teaming up to put forward the first bipartisan proposal for parental leave legislation, and that would certainly reinvigorate the discussion uh, if that occurred. And then, you know, I assume that, you know, we're, as we see more democratic debates and uh, that this will, parental leave will be an issue that the Democratic presidential candidates raise and want to discuss, um, you know, on their platforms. Well, I think bipartisan support is, is encouraging to hear, but um, I just personally want to thank you for coming on today and breaking it down a little bit more for me since I'm paying for it right now. Um, and also <laughs> for, for you breaking it down for everyone's listening. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Beverly. I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you all for joining us. If you have more interest in the topic we discussed, you can follow Kristen on Twitter. She is at MRS Shaps. That's M-R-S-S-H-A-P. And also you can find her work and specifically her paid family leave policy focus at IWF.org. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review on iTunes. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode and let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. So from all of us here at at Independent Women's Forum. Thanks for listening.